You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Alex thinks we're predators, but what if we're just poor swimmers and now there's blood in the water? And with that one line, you're set up for one of the best gaming experiences of the year. And considering what we've already seen come out this year, that's saying a hell of a lot. Prey has something for a lot of different types of gamers. If all you care about is shooting bad things in the face, well, they've got you covered. Well, not all Tython have faces, but that's neither here nor there. You can shoot them <laughs> if you want a... Shoot them in the general area, area where, yeah, where should be. Yeah, basically is what it boils down to. If you want a quote-unquote walking sim where, much like what remains of Edith Finch, you can walk around and explore every nook and cranny of the space station, you're going to be rewarded for doing so because the game is so lore-heavy. I was going to say that there's a lot of world building that went into it. However, the world is a distant reminder for the player. It's a blue sphere in the same darkness, the same blackness that surrounds you as you explore the outside of the space station. The universe building, if we're going to call it something, is unbelievably rich. The game rewards you for every hacked terminal, recovered audio journal, or crumpled up apology left laying around a trash can of a crew member's quarters. It does not take long before you care about these people, none of whom you've met, yet you know their stories, you know their kinks, you know their fears, passions, jealousies, and betrayals. And as you come across some of them in your journey, you genuinely feel a sense of loss. I finished the game a couple of days ago, And there's multiple endings for the game. Now, this is going to be a tricky episode here because I'm going to try very hard not to spoil too much. But there is obviously going to be some spoilers. Plus, we are going to have a feature from Joe, who can't join us tonight. But he will be giving us a feature on Prey because he has been playing it as well. He hasn't gotten as far as as I have. He hasn't finished it yet. But he is likely doing what I did and exploring everything so it's going to take a while and knowing what i know now i'm hoping that he's actually going to take even more time playing it because despite the fact that i tried to see everything and do as many of the quests i could you reach a point where there's a critical decision that needs to be made and at that point depending on where you go or what you do it kind of wipes out a whole bunch of those quests because they become no longer relevant to what is going on in the story. And I didn't know that. So all of a sudden it was like, all of, my quest log is pretty light all of a sudden. <laughs> There's You're like pretty good about yourself. Wow, <laughs> I've accomplished a lot this gaming session. Yeah, loopy on payments. I don't remember that. I didn't actually do a fucking thing. <laughs> but... There's there's different endings, and again, I don't want to spoil any of these things for anybody who wants to to play it. But that's that's it's 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 how am I going to say this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I also don't want to spoil it for Joe because he's been asking me questions on AIM constantly. It's like, is this happening? And I'm going, even if it was, I wouldn't tell you. Don't take that as an admission that it is. I'm just not going to spoil this for you. 
The endings are either fantastic for you or they will be a disappointment. And to quickly explain what I mean by that is it goes back to why you're playing the game. If you're playing the game because you just want to go and shoot and play this really good shooter game that has a lot of challenges, has a very interesting mechanic for both weapons as well as the mods that you can install as well as other things. That's another thing I I, I really don't want to spoil, but there's more fucking cool shit that comes up at one point that you can use as pseudo weapons and different things like that. So if you're playing the game because of that, you would expect a final big climactic, be it a boss fight or something like that. Ironically, we were just Joe and I talking to somebody on Twitter today about Borderlands two and saying like such a phenomenal game and Borderlands one also great too bad about that ending and had to explain <laughs> to her, keep playing the game because it's fucking amazing. It's just that well, last boss that's annoying. I mean, if you get the DLCs, the last box boss is really good. <laughs> so that's what this, the, the, the thing with this too is if you are playing it for the final boss, you're going to be disappointed because in effect, the battle with the big bad essentially happens by way of cinematics based on choices that you made. So in that regard, it's a little bit of a letdown. You get there and you're like, hmm, okay, well, that was cool, but it doesn't feel like I did it, even though I made the choice. So I think that that is, for me, the one criticism that I would have of it. And not everybody's going to agree. But the thing is, too, if you're playing it, give me one second just to finish because mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking forget. I knew it. (laughs) If If you're playing it for story. If you're playing it because you want to know what's happening, you want to know, you want the answers that have been kind of eluding you all of this time. You want to know what happened to some of these people, all of these things with your brother, etc. Then it's cool because then those cinematics are reflections of the choices that you made, what you uncovered during the game. So in that way, it works and it works very well because those endings are like, ho, ho. That was kind of fucking cool. Not all of them, but each of the endings also has a kind of a split ending past the credits as well. So there's a little bit more that happens. So there's multiple little endings that you can get. And some of them are like, holy fuck, that was awesome. I love that. But if you play just because you want to shoot shit, then you might be a little disappointed. So just a question, like, I'm not criticizing or anything. Did you play uh, Dishonored 2? No, I haven't yet, actually. Okay, I haven't either. Because, like, I'm wondering if this is kind of an arcane thing, because the first Dishonored didn't have a final boss either. But it was, you know, fitting with the theme of that game. Like, you got to the end. It was still a great ending, but there was no big climactic battle. You shoved the guy off the top of a building. So, like, I'm wondering if this is just kind of their design philosophy that boss fights aren't really what they do. Yeah. You know what? It is possible. It's possible. It... It works and it doesn't. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Because as I was like, doing it... Were there it, other like big battles in the game? or? Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Here's where I'm going to own up immediately <laughs> to this. <laughs> I put it on normal difficulty. Because, again, if you're young and you're listening to this podcast, and sometimes if you're older too, but it's like you're playing a game to prove something and you're playing it hard because you want a challenge and, and you've got that in your back pocket. You can pull it out. I played this game on difficult, on hard difficulty. It was fucking impossible, but I did. I'm past that point. 
I want to play games because I want to have fun. I want to enjoy the story and I want to feel like a badass. I don't need to be over encumbered. Anything. You probably know where I'm getting at. I cheated. (laughs) 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 Because as I was playing and, and for, for a while, I will say I actually played it for quite a while without using a cheat. Um, I was at 22 life for the longest fucking time. (laughs) I couldn't find food. You don't regenerate. Nobody left any fucking banana peels or anything laying around. There was nothing. So every time I'd go up against one of these motherfucking Tython, which those son of a bitches are fast. (laughs) And they hit hard. Even Joe was saying, like, they hit fucking hard. It hurts. And so I'd get, like, one, maybe two of them on me, and that's it. I'm dead. Because I only got 22 life. And it got to the point where it's like, I've, I've had it. Like, I'm not, I'm hitting my head against a wall here and I'm not progressing because I don't have any health. So I went, fuck this shit. So I found a cheater app, made sure it was safe to use, and then used it for the entirety of the rest of the game. Not just till I got back to full level as I like, fuck that shit. And boy, am I glad I did because a few times I'd pop back into game without first loading that app <laughs> and have my ass handed to me by some of these Tython because everything you've seen in the trailers and whatnot, well, at least the majority, I haven't seen all the trailers, is mostly those little motherfuckers that kind of change shape and jump scare you all the time. There's bigger ones. <laughs> there's there's really bad things up there. And some of them are not just like you're looking at them going, oh, yeah, that one's the size of a normal human adult male. No, he's small. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot bigger coming and they're going to do bad things to you. So I kind of, yeah, I used a cheat app and it was nice. (laughs) I enjoyed the game a lot more with that cheat app because I still had the jump scares. I I still had the normal anxiety that comes with, oh my God, I got to hurry up and do something. Even though for the most part, you're pretty much safe. You don't have to worry about it, but yeah, they're tough. (laughs) Don't judge. I can hear you quietly judging. Are you there? <laughs> For fuck's sakes. I'm muted. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, was typing and I decided I should mute myself. And yeah. <laughs> I was just talking to myself. Well, I mean, this is something that's come up a lot lately of, you know, what does difficulty in games really mean anymore? Like, yes, there's some people who get, you know, the the full experience by playing on the hardest difficulty, but there's a lot of people like you and to an extent like me that they they play the game for reasons, other reasons. Like they they, want to see the story. They want to see things play out. The the combat is nice and it's engaging, but after a point, it also gets in the way of the primary reason of playing the game. Well, see, that's the thing. And, and and it is the reason why I just started off normal because that's what I, I do. I'll just go and I'll start normally. I don't go out looking for a, a cheat app. Same with Fallout 3. Sorry, 4. It was like played it normally and then it got to the point where, okay, I'm tired of being over-encumbered. Fuck that shit. And then started using the command, um, the commands you can put in. So this year I played for quite a while and it was just, okay, now I, I've gotten the experience. I understand what we're looking at here. It's fucking hard. I'm just going to cheat my way through but still appreciate the story this is i was playing some other games at the same time and and i'm still into wildstar and been having fun in that and and with the events that's been going on with uh, overwatch well there's not a 
ton that's new per se. Uh, I've been doing it just so that I can get chances for the skins and whatnot. All that just to say, all I wanted to do was play Prey. And with the exception of just getting my games in, my weekly games for Overwatch, I'm still, I was going into Prey. That was it. I was just going in and playing. No fucking card games even, just Prey. And (laughs) part of the reason why is because I really, really cared about the people. And that is good game design. Not just game design, but the the, the writing, obviously. And it's a very diverse crew. First and foremost, that's something you notice immediately. It's not just a whole bunch of white dudes that worked up there. There's everything is up there. And you get to have all of the interpersonal dynamics between the characters as well, which is very cool. So you're listening to like audio logs as an example. And and this is a clever way of designing a, an element in the story in the game where you want to force people to know this about certain characters. Well, how are we going to do that in a way that makes sense? Well, there's a door that locks and it only opens by voice recognition, which would make sense in a building this advanced. So you got to go and collect a whole bunch of audio logs from Hmm. one of the characters. Well, in so doing, you're also listening to audio logs from other characters that interacted with her. You're also reading notes. You're also reading emails. You're, you're doing all of this. So during that time, you find out, oh, this woman had a, a, a relationship with another crew a woman on in the crew. And then you find out that, you know, it didn't go very well. And then you find out, oh, it really didn't go over well. And then you, again, if you look around, quite literally, you would miss it if you didn't, um, if you weren't the type of person that's, if something could be activated, you're going to touch it or activate it or pick it up just in case it's something that you need or you want to read it all. But there's literally one of the crew member rooms. It happens to be hers. I actually hadn't looked when I was, I was going into the room. There's crumpled up pieces of paper by a garbage can. Well, most people, it's it's garbage on the ground. You're not going to pick it up. You're just going to go around and do your other stuff. I picked up each one. And as you do, you basically uncrumple it. You read what it says. And each of them is an apology that she's trying to form to this woman. And it's not working out. <laughs> and Except the last one, which is a mimic. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, But yeah, so you get all of this phenomenal lore. You find out that... You know, there was a D&D game going on up there. You find <laughs> character sheets with stats and everything. You find the book that they used for their their sessions. There's a, a table that they were using where there's even the, GM, the DM's little space with the little wall, cardboard wall thing in front of him and the book and all of his notes and everything. And then you find out, again, little things just about that relationship. And then there is, if you'll recall, one of the trailers they were talking about that Nerf gun. The, the, the crossbow nerf gun that, that was there that you could use that doesn't hurt anything, but you can use it for different things. There's a lot of history to just that fucking gun because <laughs> you find out that, A, it was developed by one of the women engineers there, and it basically was kind of a project of, listen, we're, like, we're burning out on this real stuff that's going on. Let's just have some fun and do this. And before you, you know it, you're reading more emails, and you find out that a male engineer also is helping her 
but kind of in the hopes that something's going to progress there and that you'll like him. And you find that out because he's chatting with another guy through email and he's saying, she's not into you. It doesn't matter how much you help her with the goddamn crossbow. It's not going to happen. And then there's like these like little tournament things for the gun and how to design it and improve on it and other things like that. And that's just, that's just a throwaway thing that you would not think about. But if you dig in all of a sudden, there's a lot going on here. And that's how it is for like all of the crew members. You're finding out the, the, a lot of problems going on there. There is some corruption. There's a fucking smuggling ring up there. <laughs> okay. And there's corporate espionage going on as well. And there's a lot of mistrust at the top and a lot directed at Alex, the brother. So, and at you, your, your, your character, whether you play the male or the female, which I played the male and I, I wish I had actually played the female character because I, I read a little bit more about that. But the male character is voiced, oh damn it, I can't remember his real name, but he was the, the actor who played Cho in The Mentalist, if you ever watched that. He does a phenomenal job. It was really, really good voice acting. So it's one of those types of games where, again, I I really don't want to spoil the story. And I feel like at this point, I don't have to explain too much that most people should be sold on it already just because there's so much that you can do within the game. And it's such a rich game in terms of the story that it's not a lie. If you're the type of person who is going to read everything, look over everything, you will come across bodies. Obviously, there's a lot of them. You're going to come across bodies and you're going to know who the, that person is. And and you're going to be like, damn, I kind of was hoping that I'd get to talk to them a little bit and see who they as, are as people. Hell, maybe even help them because they were good people kind of thing. And that's kind of telling of how successful a game is, that you care about these fake people that you never really meant met just by virtue of the fact that you have kind of crept into their lives and peeked under the, 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 the blankets, the sheets kind of thing to see what's really going on and who they are as people. And that's really fucking cool. Like it, there was so much going on for this game. And then there's the obvious gameplay, which not to go too much into is phenomenal. It is tight. The shooting is great. And that wasn't like cheating a sister. There was none of that. It was, it's just a great game. There's, Really cool weapons that you get. It's not just like a a few of the standard type of weapons you'd expect from a game. No, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of different stuff <laughs> that you can do to hurt these Tython to the point where they have a very cool mechanic. I loved it. When you just kind of want to switch weapons or whatever, you just scroll your 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 the mouse wheel. And when you do that, it actually kind of goes in a spiral so that it can keep going to further options and then start back from the start. So it's, it's just this continuous spiral. So it was very cleverly designed because again, you have a lot of options at your disposal for what to do. So, and then there's really cool way of crafting in the game as well. And for someone that if you've listened to any prior episodes, you know, I really don't like crafting in games, but (laughs) this game has a system where there's a machine that you go to, There's a receptacle, 
you'd press your F, you hold it down, drop all your junk, also some other stuff that you don't need. You press another button and it turns it all, recycles it into these cute little balls and cubes. And there's something oddly satisfying. <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dogs of hearing that tick, 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 that clink, 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 clink <laughs> of them all going into the pile and picking them all up and you got your crafting materials. So the crafting is actually really cleverly done in this game, and I and I enjoyed it. So overall, you're going to hear a little bit more from Joe. I don't know if he's going to go into some story elements because he's been trying to figure things out in advance because there's a lot of clues that show you that things aren't exactly how you are always perceiving them. And because of what's going on and because of the neuromods and how it works with your brain because whenever you change neuromods, um, when they take them out, I should say, you lose all your memory. So that's what's happened to him is they kept playing over the same stuff, test him and whatnot. And just by taking out those neuromods, it resets your brain to that period. So there's a lot of mind fuckery that goes on in the game. And you can figure out certain things before you get to the end, most certainly. And there's a point in the game, and I'll, I'll leave it at that and then we can move on. There's a point in the game where things take a pretty drastic turn and it gets fucking cool as hell. <laughs> like stylish in, from a stylish perspective, just analyzing the game. If you're playing on a decent sized screen or on a large screen TV, you're going to appreciate the scope of how amazing shit gets. Like let alone once you're outside of the station, Floating around, killing shit out there as well, because there's shit to be killed everywhere or gathering things or investigating like that space station is massive, massive. And the map design is cleverly done as well, because you wouldn't expect that it would be just a perfectly symmetrical building. It's a, it's a tower in space. Of course, it would have different you know, paths to get to different sections and, and whatnot. And so when you're on the outside as well, you got to kind of remember that and which airlocks are locked and not where there's breaches that you might be able to get through and things like that. So very, very cool, clever design. And the scope is amazing. And then when you get to that point, you're like, holy fucking hell. It just got a lot cooler and bigger and badder. And at that point, you're like rushing. Okay, we need to fix this now, now, now. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of very cool shit and I'm very curious to hear what Joe's going to have to say about it and we're going to be playing that now please be aware that there may be some spoilers ahead Prey is a first person shooter action adventure video game developed by Arcane Studios and published by Bethesda Softworks it is a reimagining of the 2006 game Prey which was developed by Human Head Studios while there was originally a Prey 2 scheduled to be created it fell into development hell following the transfer of the property from 3D Realms to Bethesda Softworks, and was eventually cancelled in 2014. Arcane's version does not use any of the planned sequel's assets, and only incorporates the name and the broad theme from the original game series. Prey is meant to be a spiritual sequel to System Shock, providing the player with several potential means of progressing within the game. The game begins with players taking control of Morgan Yu, you are going through a series of tests in order to assist in research at the behest of your brother, Alex. During the course of these tests, something goes wrong, and you see one of the doctors assaulted by what you will come to know as a mimic. 
It is then that you are knocked out and awake starting your routine again, just as you did prior to the testing and the attack. This time, however, you find that things aren't as they seem, and you are tossed into what is the adventure of the game. The space station Talos-1, where it has become overrun by Typhon, an alien organism that can mimic anything. Players are offered numerous challenging puzzles, which can be solved by snooping for access codes, rearranging machinery to open pathways, or sometimes just good old blow something up to get where you need to go. Every puzzle has multiple ways to be solved, and the choice is truly left to the players. You are also given the opportunity to upgrade your abilities through neuromods. These are not only a way to give yourself more hit points, knowledge in combat, or machinery, or even medicine, but they operate as the central plot point in the game. Humans have been trying to harvest the abilities of the Typhon to mimic things in knowledge and apply it to themselves by injecting it basically straight into their brains. This allows you to customize and craft your character as you wish to fit your playstyle. In the story of the game, however, if you uninstall a mod, your memory is wiped to the point it was before the installation. This hook is essential to your character, who is presented as not remembering what feels like a lifetime of choices as a result of experimentation with the neuromods. At first, it seems that the presentation of the story is fairly straightforward, and you can take it at a first glance, but there is an element of an unreliable narrator to it. Combined with some very well-placed and intelligent nods to an observant player, it keeps you feeling unsure throughout the entire endeavor. You are not only the survivor of Typhon Uprising, as there are many others that you may interact with that also survived. And this begins one of the central choices that you as the player have to make. Do you save the other survivors? How do you interact with them? These choices matter, and they unlock side quests, and sometimes weapons and special abilities, as you progress through the game. Each survivor you encounter is interesting. They have their own desires, their own personalities, and their own quirks. Each of them is dealing with the loss of their friends and the burning of the station around them differently, and each, with their own quirks, are deliberate choices for the writers. What is probably the most interesting part of the game, though, is what you find out from the people on the station that are not alive or missing. And I don't mean you talk to space ghosts or anything like that, but this is the future, and computers are everywhere. Diaries, email chains, office memos, and the like are yours to find if you decide to take the time to look for them. These were well-placed and well-written items that show that the station was full of life and people who maybe you knew. They worried over asking a crush out on a date, or if their boss was going to ride their ass, or, or maybe notice that they were stealing things for their secret stashes. There were secret clubs and cliques of people, and all the drama you would expect from a normal office environment. There was also a lot of trash to pick up, like banana peels or discarded papers. But in the confines of a space station, as you would expect, there are ways to recycle these, and these become materials that are actually useful for you to craft items. Throughout the game, your perceptions of the people you save or interact with are challenged. The idea of your character and your missing memories is challenged as well. Combine this with an intuitive control scheme, fantastic suspenseful music, and a truly deep, creepy environment, and enemies that can literally be anything, results in a fantastic game that teeters on a line between action and horror. Combat is genuinely scary, even after you upgrade yourself or find better weapons. And at several points, I found myself slowing down to take my time to figure out if I could avoid combat entirely. This holds true till the very end of the game as well. 
Overall, this has been one of the more enjoyable game experiences I have had this year. The story was compelling, the characters were interesting, and everything had a purpose. Everything fits, and it feels like a cohesive whole. The only thing I dislike is that it is continually compared to System Shock. While there are some distinct similarities, the two are very different games, and I feel comparing them does a disservice. I highly recommend this game if you like exploration and taking your time and learning about every possible detail of those you interact with and basically every aspect of the game. If you like mild jump scares and what feels like a superb control scheme, as well as extreme sci-fi overtones, this will be the game for you. Prey is a great experience for players. It is not similar to the first titles that bore that name, but this is the start of what could be a great franchise. With all of the different endings, and there are several of them, there are many different ways that this series can go. And just like some of the other games in this vein, like Dishonored, we could get a whole new universe, a whole new set of games with intriguing characters to explore. And I hope that you will enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, we're done. Okay, so let's move on from there now, and we are going to talk, uh, well, we're going to live in stock. Which one do you want to talk about first, Lost Sphere or uh, Far Cry 5? Uh, let's start off with Lost Sphere. Go for it. So, jeez, uh, where am I? Uh, this Motherfucker, you had 22 minutes to prep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you weren't listening. <laughs> okay, I, you myself, I, I, you'll see I, how I it feel feels. I feel like I was re- replying at all the appropriate... Yeah, while you were <laughs> muted. <laughs> <laughs> that just means I was listening extra hard. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so yeah, this past week, Square Enix announced the second game from their newly founded studio, Tokyo RPG Factory. This is a studio they set up, I believe, in 2015 to focus on smaller games without the you know the huge AAA budgets. And the first one came out earlier this year. I think it came out in February. It was called I Am Setsuna, and it was a throwback to, like, the Super Nintendo style of RPGs with the 16-bit reminiscent artwork. Uh, The gameplay was a lot like Chrono Trigger, and there was definitely elements of some of the older Final Fantasy games in there. And it met to a pretty good response. Uh, A lot of people really enjoyed it. The story was good. The characters were good. The music was fantastic. Combat didn't jive with everybody, but, well, you can't win them all. And they just recently announced the next game coming from that studio called Lost Sphere, S-P-H-E-A-R, because, okay. (laughs) Fucking hate that. (laughs) (laughs) The game uh, is actually going to be out in Japan later this year and then in the West uh, early next year, coming to PS4, Switch, and PC. This one is, appears to be getting rid of uh, the 16-bit style and kind of moving up a generation. There's a lot of uh, design elements here that are reminiscent of like the PlayStation 1 era RPGs, although obviously you know not quite as janky because now we know how to make character models out of 3D things that aren't squares on top of other squares. <laughs> But yeah, the, the art style's been upgraded. A lot of like the world map stuff looks, you know, more 3D than the previous game. But a, a lot of the other stuff is still there. The music is still fantastic. The characters seem pretty interesting, and the combat system remains largely unchanged. I'm sure there's going to be some changes here and there, but it's, it still plays out very much like a Chrono Trigger style game. What's interesting here is the uh, the setup for I Am Setsuna. 
it was very character focused. Uh, the title character Setsuna was a maiden who was to be sacrificed to demons to like, you know, save the village and this and that. And the main player character was actually guarding her escort. He had to make sure she stayed alive long enough to die. So I, I haven't played much of it or any of it. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> it's, it's definitely in the backlog, but I'm looking forward to getting a chance to play that. And now I'm looking forward to getting a chance to play this because it's much more, it's much less focused on a single character. Because even though uh, I Am Setsuna had a larger cast, it was very much focused on the main character and Setsuna herself. Whereas this is more of a, a full world that's going on here. Uh, the world that this game takes place in, which I don't believe they actually named, it's just, you know, the world, <laughs> is undergoing a crisis in that parts of the world are just disappearing. And we come to find out that it's not, you know, the actual physical manifestations of the world that's, you know, being yanked out. It's just that the memories of those places are being stolen from the people. So there's an, an interesting twist here of, yeah, obviously there's a big bad going on, but so much of the game is going to be, again, focused on people's stories and, and the world itself of recovering these lost memories and bringing the world back to where it should be. So I, I expect another uh, really fantastic, stylish game that's not, again, Square Enix can make an RPG in, no, you know, 12 or 15 years. But uh, I appreciate what they're doing with the RPG factory here of not necessarily a great name because it sounds like they're just churning out uh, content. But uh, I, I like what they're doing. For kind them, that smaller is. From a, from a tri- <laughs> yeah. From a AAA publisher having, you know, an, almost an indie style studio within them that can put out these smaller focused projects. I really enjoy that. It gives them a lot of flexibility as well, because no doubt they've had ideas that they'd like to do. But if all of their money is going towards these large AAA games, then, yeah, they're not going to have the, the time or the inclination to work on it. So, no, I think it's great. It gave me a, uh, a, a leftovers feel. Uh, I don't know if okay. you've watched that show. I have um, good things. We we haven't watched a lot of them. We've only watched a few episodes. It's We literally just started watching it last week. But it is just a large percentage of people just disappear and then the remaining people have to live with that and try to figure out what happened kind of thing and that's only what i know from the very very start of it kind of thing but that's as i was watching this that's kind of the vibe that i was getting mm-hmm. so which is not a bad one it's not original but it might be cool in in this game certainly it's definitely original as far as games are concerned i can't think of anything that's handled it quite like that mm, i can't not off the top of my head yeah Okay, so what about uh, actually? Let's talk about this spiritual successor to uh, to uh, El Shaddai before we get to the shit show. Yeah, because the, the other one uh, I think is gonna hell. We may even talk about the Walking Dead, the last episode before Far Cry, because we'll just end with Far Cry. But yeah, let's go with uh, the Lost Child. So yeah, in back in 2011 on the PS3, this uh, weird game came out called El Shaddai: Ascension of the Metatron. I was familiar with it. I didn't play it. it you know, there's you, know, you can only play so many games, and some weird, random ass Japanese game didn't really grab me. Although, in retrospect, this should have been a Vince game. No kidding. <laughs> it got uh, mixed, but mostly positive reviews in just the general batshit crazy Japanese <laughs> stylings. Although, based on uh, the Book of Enoch, a piece of Jewish scripture 
So they took, you know, this known... Japan does this a lot where they take a lot of uh, Jewish and Christian imagery and just mash it together into their own chaos. And for the most part, it's actually pretty entertaining when they do it. It's just this bizarre story of buff, hunky angels. (laughs) 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 And just absolutely insane, like, over-the-top Japanese crazy shit. Listen, which, I, I like my angels with trench coats and being socially awkward like Castiel. <laughs> That's it. I don't need any other type. <laughs> and uh, apparently it did well enough that the studio is coming out with not a sequel, but another game set in that, that universe because they're changing it up to from a third-person brawler to being a, more of a standard RPG, and it's called The Lost Child. Uh, In their own synopsis, magazine writer Hayato Ibuki was chasing the story of the suicide of a, again, Japanese, not great press release here, the story of a suicide of a person who jumped in front of a train in Shinjuku Station. In the middle of his pursuit, he falls onto the platform as if he was pushed by a mysterious black shadow. A mysterious beautiful woman named Barcia saves him by the skin of his teeth and hands him a suitcase. It was a Pandora's box that should not have been opened. Inside was the Demon Gun Gangor, a tool that can capture and enslave demons and fallen angels. Using this ability, Hayato successfully took on his own demon subordinates. Together with a woman named Rua, who calls herself an angel, Hayato will pursue the mysteries that occur in various places and find the beautiful woman who gave him the suitcase. That's a lot of gibberish because somebody just like ran that through Google Translate, I think, (laughs) and issued it as a press release. But it goes back to what I was saying a couple months ago that uh, we were talking about the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei and that Atlas is kind of the only studio that does this like modern techno supernatural stuff. But here's another game that's kind of in that same feel of being in a modern day setting and taking known like supernatural and religious elements and combining them with crazy technology and doing an interesting story like this actually seems like it could be pretty pretty fun to check out i will see how it comes along because i'm sure it's going to be a little while before we see too much of the game in the west but again it's just something new something different and i look forward to seeing what happens the thing with those games is that it's because of the cultural differences Mm mm-hmm and because of how Japan sees suicide, and it's different than us because it's far more common there as well. I actually just pulled it up because I was curious because I knew they were fairly high in terms of, of suicide rates. Right. And they are in the upper, like, maybe not quarter, but, yeah, they're number – yeah, they are actually less than that. They're number 26. No. Where are they? Yeah, 26. They're tied for 26. Um that's 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 a very high suicide rate. Yeah. And so the 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 quote for lack of a better term problem with that is that when you're looking at us here in North America and especially for anybody who has had any run in with that um be it themselves or loved ones especially or friends it it is a trigger and you can be aware of it but it doesn't change the fact that if the game is not careful in how they portray it or how it, it comes across, well, that, that means the same thing, but you know what I mean? Um, 
it's very easy to put somebody off like right, mm-hmm. right away. So as, as curious as I am about that, because of what we've seen from them and how casually or almost flippantly sometimes that subject matter is handled in different situations, be it an anime or a game. It's like, ah, oh, I'm a little worried, but we'll see. Well, I mean, thank you for bringing that up because thankfully I haven't had any experience with that in my life. So when it comes up and now that you bring it up, like it does happen quite a bit in yeah. various Japanese media. So like, it's just a plot element to me, but uh, you know, it's, well, it's something I don't give any thought to because again, it, I thankfully and knock on wood have never experienced yeah, something yeah. like that. Well, it, it's not sharing anything inappropriate about Joe to say because he has mentioned this himself. Mm-hmm. He's mentioned it on social media a lot. He's been an advocate to try to raise not just awareness but funds for different suicide prevention places and all that. He's done what I'm trying to say is good work on this, all right? And I've grown up around it as well, very close. And that's all I'll say about that matter. Uh, and it is something that stays with you. And it, and it fucks you up really, really bad. So... Joe and I have had conversations uh, as we've talked about both games and movies or TV shows. And and when that comes up, if it is well handled or not, it's not that we don't want to see it in a game, but rather that it, it needs to be given the respect it deserves. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it simply doesn't. Okay. Any uh, parting thoughts on that then? No, just uh, again, I'm interested to see where, where, where they go with this. Definitely. Okay. Let's talk about the walking dead and then we'll, go into Far Cry 5 because I finished off the final episode of The Walking Dead the last season and as I as I said on Twitter if you thought Clem was a badass before you were wrong you underestimated her <laughs> Clem is phenomenal and you'll see as you you play through it's mostly at the end but man against such a fantastic character but it's not like she's in the spotlight either. Like this was a great game, not because of Clem. That was phenomenal. And I look forward to the next season where apparently she's going to be the lead character again. But Javier is a great character, great character. And you have a lot of agency with him as well. You can be a very kind of mellow and supportive brother and pseudo boyfriend and pseudo parent he's an uncle but he he's basically raising the kids for the longest time you can be fairly mellow or you can be more stern or you can be a jerk or you can just kind of give up and just do nothing but fight with your brother and by that fifth episode because you are you're coming off of the the big fight that occurred at the end of season or sorry episode four and now you are basically having to deal with a shitload of walkers so it kind of transitions away from the people who lived in that settlement in preston and goes towards once again you're now this group of people with a lot of infighting also fighting walkers which they call muertos which i prefer i love that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's so much better than walkers. <laughs> the muerto, it doesn't work for Walking Dead, though, but the Walking Muertos. Anyways, it is a great episode. There's a lot that has to be not necessarily resolved, but certainly addressed because there's a lot going on between you and various members of not just the group that you're in, but the community and characters that were a couple of episodes back that suddenly, hey, they're back. And also kind of gay, it looks like. 
<laughs> Not that there's anything wrong, but there's a point at one point where you're having a conversation. And I'm thinking, if I choose uh, this option here, I think he might get off that horse and <laughs> and we might find a room. Nothing wrong with that. It was very freaking awesome. But the characters are that dynamic. They're they're that alive. And the relationship between you and your brother, as I said before, they did a really good job with his brother, David, because while the character does come across for a while like a stereotype of just an angry adult male, there's a lot there. And it's not just about him. It's not just about what he's lost, but you go back further in those flashbacks and you see, no, he always was a, a jerk also, but B lived under his brother's shadow because his brother was the big baseball star until he screwed it all up. And there's a lot going on there. So then when you are, depending on the choices that you've made, you can be having some nice, fun, sexy time with his wife (laughs) or not. I chose what the hell (laughs) she's damn nice and she doesn't want to be with him anymore. So I chose that. So I had those moments that finally came to fruition in that final episode. I'm curious what it was for other people who didn't have that relationship, but I loved it. It was great. And it made some for some very interesting moments with his brother. So again, I, once again, I don't want to spoil it. And also because it, it just came out. There's a lot of different options, so what I play through is not necessarily what you will play through, but I love this. And as a final episode, I felt, once again, stronger than Season 2, although the very tail end of Season 2 was amazing as well. But this, I thought, as a whole, as an entire season, second only to the first season. The stuff with Lee, obviously, will probably always be my favorite But this was a very, very close second. The stuff that you have between him, his brother, him, his sister-in-law slash girlfriend, him and the kids, his niece and nephew, and then everybody else that he meets along the way. And that's what The Walking Dead has always been about, is those interpersonal relationships between other survivors. So, great episode, phenomenal season. I rank it pretty high up. It, It was really a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. You're still cool. muted, aren't you? Okay, no, you're not. No, just, <laughs> uh, again, I'm still kind of sour on Walking Dead as a whole. You got to let that go. You're, you're literally shooting yourself in the foot because you assume they're all like that. I mean. No, it's just, even if I know it's good and from everything you've said, I, I believe it's good. I just don't care. <laughs> Okay, well that's different though. I mean, if you're if you're mm-hmm. done with the IP, then that's a different. Yeah, but man, for anybody else, play it. It is a spectacular game, and I really enjoyed it a lot. So let's end with that Far Cry Five. <laughs> <laughs> did you sign the petition? <laughs> I did not, but it was funny to read. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right, take it away. So the Far Cry games, I've never played them. Like I've enjoyed like watching them and like, yeah, that, that seems like a fun game that maybe I'll play if I have the time and I never quite have the time. But they've kind of made a reputation out of being like, I think the best way to say it is like escapist tourism. 
like because they're always set in these fantastic locales and you know the South Pacific and uh, I think the last one was somewhere in like the, the Himalayas or, or wherever it was like not the up, up in the mountains but like India Tibet somewhere in that region and like there are these fantastically rendered landscapes and these interesting wildlife and this great free world that you can explore and do whatever you want. But as many have pointed out, they also are kind of the premier brown person shooting game (laughs) that can be found because when you're exploring these exotic locales, of course, all the bad guys are the locals and that after, especially after four games of this has definitely soured a lot of people on the franchise. Enter Far Cry 5, which takes place in the very rarely visited exotic locale of Montana, America, (laughs) where the primary antagonists in this game are a militarized cult known as the Project at Eden's Gate. And the instant that Ubisoft released the promotional image for this game showing a bunch of... Bearded people sitting at a at a table with American beer. flags everywhere. Holy shit! Did people get really upset about this? I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, I, I, I've I, enjoyed every second of it. I thought the rage was hysterical. Is what I thought. <laughs> the thing is, is that okay. <laughs> I don't care if people get mad at me and stop listening to the podcast because they don't agree with our our position. That's fine. I don't care. The thing is, is that for so many of these types of games or various other first-person shooters, it is completely fair to have almost always Muslim enemies that you're going up against. And this is a reality of life right now where Muslim people are being targeted because they are Muslim. We, we live in a sick time right now. The problem is, is that you are having very devout Christian people and, and some radicalized Christian people as well, who, who won't have the same said or done with their faith. And, it creates this problem where you don't have this 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 experience in games. You certainly don't have it a lot on TV or movies because they don't want to alienate a fairly large group as well. And and far too much power is given to this group. Now, there's nothing wrong with being Christian or being Muslim or whatever. I I, I have no problem. I I am. I've always been interested in religion and, and whatnot, and I have my own beliefs as well. The problem becomes when you feel that it's all right to be at attack or or demonstrate this another religion in a negative fashion, but the same can't be done of yours. And to live your life with a blinder that only Muslims can become radicalized is not only just plain false, because we're seeing radicalized Christians doing atrocities right now. It's just, it's also, it's not true to our reality. And then it makes it so that we can't have stories like this come out in games because people fucking wig out. And I'm hoping they're not going to bow to this pressure. I really hope they won't because I want to see this game 
and it needs to exist. They're Canadian. Well, if they're looking at bottom dollar, they might, the people at the top won't care what the game is, what it's about. Is it going to make us money? And if there's a chance of it being boycott, if there's a chance of there not being as much money made off of it, then the people in suits might say, nope, you're not doing this. So, especially when it comes to video games, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. I, I I don't see them changing course. And I, I, this article I linked from Waypoint, it's actually a, a great read, is um, they're talking about as far back as 2008, like the, the, develop, the, the lead designer of the Far Cry franchise has had this idea and couldn't get it greenlit because it seemed a little too unrealistic. I believe that's how they put it. <laughs> Not anymore. Plot twist, eight years later, <laughs> in the current political climate of America, shit like this isn't so crazy anymore. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I applaud them for taking new steps and finding, you know, new ways of, of approaching uh, the difficulties we're currently having in my country <laughs> and portraying them in, I don't want to say... a, a, a an accurate light because this is obviously turned up to 11, but so life out and, right and now. Awareness that, hey, <laughs> people like this do exist. Maybe not quite to this extent like this, but I mean, it, it's a fact of life. And the, the thing I really like what they're doing with this game is in previous Far Cry games, the player character was the god of the only one that can save, you know, the, the locals. Whereas, you know, they're, they're really spending a lot of time in the lead up to this game, fleshing out the townspeople uh, of this small little town of Montana that's been taken over by this militia. And like, I I like that they're, as I said, and again, in the Waypoint article, they're showing you just how bad the bad guys are by connecting you with the victims and really showing you the effects that these sort of actions are having, not in an exploitative way, like, like they were kind of done in the previous games, but like human interactions. And again, I really enjoy that, that they're, I think they realize just how volatile of a concept this is. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of presenting it in the game. The thing is, and it's not the shit on that effort because obviously it's, it's right for them to try to be respectful in how they portray. Of course. The thing is, is that, as everybody knows right now, there is no talking to the other side. This is true. That applies to whichever side you're on. It's an interesting time in history. If you are someone who has been around for a little while and seen different presidents, has seen time change, decades, everything, this is a very different time than what is the norm. And... This idea that there is no talking to the other side at all, and both sides feel that strongly, is going to affect this game. Because regardless of how delicate they are with the subject matter, to do it in such a way that it makes sense even, and that people even on both sides will be able to appreciate that, I personally don't think that's what will happen. The people whom they feel targeted even though it's not targeting them, but heaven forbid it say something bad about white male Christians, uh, we'll be upset. And they're they're not uh, going to appreciate never, what's being done. 
I, I never assumed that they would try to make you know the the militia types relatable. I, I was just more just talking about how they're they're making the actions. Oh no no I get have what you more mean. Weight I know, by, by but what I'm saying is that I don't think that's going to matter. To uh, it's still going to appeal only to the audience that the left. It's only going to appeal to the left because the right, regardless of how it's done in that game, regardless if they're not freaking militia, but they're still again white male Christian, they're not going to like this. And there's no way this is going to work for them. I, I feel that that same disconnect that we have in terms of our politics is going to bleed into the game as well by virtue of the fact that it deals with such politics. And at the same time, I don't care. I was just going to say, but ask me if I care. Yeah. I fucking don't. Because we, we, we've had entirely too many games where the magical white man is the only one that yep. can save us. So, yeah, no, I don't care. In fact, I applaud this and I'm looking forward to playing it and I'll fucking support them and I'll buy the game <laughs> so that the money talks. Other studios will see, hey, maybe we should be doing something else too. All right. Any parting thoughts on that one? Just enjoying the shit show. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Okay, let's un- end on a good note, just because a little bit more news came out for the sequel and prequel to fucking Life is Strange. So we already knew they were working on Life is Strange 2, but we also found out that they're working on uh, a Life is... Well, uh, a Life is Strange prequel is being worked on. It's not being worked on by, by Don't Nod, though I'm sure that they're working with the uh, development studio still to make sure that it's done properly. Uh, but it is going to be more with Chloe and Rachel, whom in that game is the girl that, of course, had disappeared. And so now you're going to see that relationship that you heard so much about in Life is Strange. So... I'm really, I'm actually looking forward to this more than the sequel, than Life is Strange 2. I don't know about you. It's it's complicated <laughs> because, like, th- there is so much resolution, though. Like, I don't know if I want to go back, like, especially in, in prequel territory, unless there's, you know, time travel hijinks that can. Oh, so that you have up. agency, you mean? Yeah. So that your choices but, make a difference. Yeah. Okay. And, but but not only that, like, like I said, like I was fairly content with the way things wrapped up. Like I'm, I don't need to go back to Max and Chloe anymore. But it's not Max. It's I going must... to be. I'm talking about the prequel. Okay. The prequel Sorry. is going to be Chloe and Rachel, their story. Right. Right. Okay. And then Sorry. the sequel is going to be Max and presumably Chloe, but who knows? They've been pretty tight-lipped about it. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. They're. Life is Strange was just such a like phenomenal experience. Like, I, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around going back to it in a way that is going to enhance it in any way. Prequel, sequel, really? what, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just really weird for me. Like, of course they're going to go back to it because it was a hugely successful well, yeah. game. And just throwing it out there, if you're a PS Plus member, it's also free yeah. this month. So if you haven't played it now, you have literally no excuse. I, I don't know. It's hmm. that is surprising. I, I, I'm going to be very hesitant about it until I actually can try it. Huh. Well, I, for one, am looking forward to it. The idea of going back to again, I'm, I'm looking forward to two because I do want to know what's going on with with Max. Yes, there was resolution, but those are still very interesting characters. So if there's going to be further adventures with those same characters that I love, 
I'm on board. But the 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 prequel I'm interested in because it is going to deal with a character that we did not get to see. Well, we got to see her, but her body. <laughs> Spoiler warning <laughs> in Life is Strange. So now we get to see Rachel. We get to see the kind of person that she was. Like literally I read this and I thought, Jesus, I'm going to be playing Life is Strange again after I play this because I want to play through the prequel, have see that bond between the two of them and see what happens so that going then into Life is Strange, now all of a sudden when Chloe is acting out, when she is full of rage and pain and, 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 and you know, has a hard time dealing with this, we know why. We've gotten to see the relationship that she had with Rachel and what it meant to her. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm definitely on board. And I know Joe would be too, so you're wrong. <laughs> with that, we're going to call it a wrap. You still muted? Motherfucker, yeah. you are. No. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> nice talking to you this episode. <laughs> Motherfucker. Okay, you can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ForTheLore or individually. Joe is Lord of Zajay. This asshole is Simodian and I am Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts and comments on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys literally in a few days because we're going to be doing a Shadowrun session. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Plus, for anybody who has been enjoying those D&D and Shadowrun, and there's going to be, hopefully, Tales from the Loop coming up as well, we are going to be starting to do those more often. I know we talked about it before, but now we're actually scheduling it, and we're looking at potentially every other week doing one of those rotating through the three of them. So that should be a ton of fun. Plus, we're looking at bringing in guests and some regulars for those as well. So again, should be a ton of fun. Very much looking forward to it. So with that, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon. Motherfucker on mute all the time, not even listening to me. What the fuck is wrong with you? Asshole. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by ForTheLore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. <laughs>